Oh man, is that the best? Is that where the best pizza is in Dutchess County? So yeah, what's the name? Um, oh no, what's the name of the pizza place that we always go to up there? Olive Garden. It'll come to me. It starts with an L. Longobardi's. It's pretty good. It's better than what we get down here. There, there are a few good places down here that I think could could hang, could compete. But I think so. Um, well, welcome back to uh, another episode of uh, Z DevOps Talks with Chris and Chris. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, that was good. So we're here with Matthew Cousins, but you go by Matt. Matt's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we go by Matt. Go by Matt. <laughs> we're here with Matt Cousins. You're a uh, developer advocate. Um, I found this online. It's a developer advocate, Z, uh, and Linux one for IBM Systems. That's that's right. Yep, that's right. Okay. Well, welcome, Matt. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show here. Um, we were talking outside. You're originally from Poughkeepsie, New York. Yep. Um, and I actually found some some interesting background on you. So you, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but and one of the things I read, it's it's said, and I don't know if this was self proclaimed or not. Your fourth generation IBMer is that accurate? Or so it, cause, de- cause... it depends on how you count it. Okay, and you know IBMers we're, we're very specific yeah. about things, right? Um, so my great grandfather yeah. started in Endicott. Yeah, and my grandfather originally started in Endicott. Okay, who, who... moved to Poughkeepsie? Okay, met my grandmother in IBM Poughkeepsie. Okay. so that's still second generation. Yeah. Skipped my father. Okay, or as my father said. He skipped it. Okay. I think it's like 60s rebellion thing going on. Sure, there. yeah, that sounds... And then uh, here I am. Yeah. So I, if my father had worked at IBM, yeah. it would be like four contiguous Oh, I got you. Yeah. You know what? When but, you phrase it like that, four gener- that's actually 100% accurate. So, so I, it skipped one generation, yeah. but... That's fantastic. That is awesome. And I actually have um, one of my prized possessions in my IBM you know, collection of historic memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Is my grandfather's badge from Endicott Whoa. from the early forties? Yeah, no, I, it's I, a brass like campaign pin button. Wow, with a of course black and white mugshot of him on it. Oh wow, wow man, that's an cool. IBM Endicott. Oh, that's it's so just cool. Like one of those things where you'll never see that again. Yeah, you know? no, that is so. That was cool. your grandfather, right? That was my grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Now your great grandfather was he working at IBM when it was uh, the computing, tabulating, recording company? You no, know, I don't know. I never actually like looked at the years and tried to figure it that out. Was... But it was a long time okay. ago. Okay, so that was that was uh, that was the the like amalgamation of all these different companies. They they that's the name that they went with. And then I think the '30s or something they they moved to they, it it became IBM. Um, I saw on a Twitter post that you had a. A ThinkPad was it your grandfather's ThinkPad? Yeah, actually, I carry it with me. Really? So, you know, they reissued the original ThinkPads just I don't know five years ago or something. But the one that that was my grandfather's is a whole lot more like sturdy. I'm writing on paper that's forty years old. Can can we see it? Can can you? I got it right here. Because I I saw that and I thought so. That's where the uh, that's where the idea for the ThinkPad came from, like the 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 PC, the personal computers. Wow. So you know, Think is the model, right? Wow, that is beautiful. Look at that leather, man. Is that Corinthian leather? Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say the one that I got is not not and as that, nice as this. That is actually fairly common. Like okay. you can still find them. Okay, I have a different one from that he had yeah. that actually has his name embossed on the front. That's a much smaller size yeah. that. Nobody I've shown has ever seen it before. <laughs> wow! But that one's like the paper's falling apart. This one I can actually that's, use. Yeah, it's you so know? functional. Yeah. Yep. 
That's awesome. Wow. That's so neat. And it's a perfect size to put, you know, of course it was all button down shirts yep. then, right? Yeah. So yep. it's the perfect size to slip in your yep. pocket. That's why carry with you with a a, golf pencil or something like that. That's amazing. I I don't know if I I don't know if I listened to it in the developer podcast or if I read it, but um, your first IBM memory was in the fourth grade when IBMers came to your campus. You know, growing up in Dutchess County, um, we had IBMers in our school. I mean, IBM's always been very big in academic, you know, education fields, right? And um, yeah, I remember in in fourth grade. Yeah, and we, it was all you know PCs or PS2s uh-huh. and uh, token ring networks, right? Yep. Um, this was the PC Junior, I think, is what. Or P- so the the right? PC, PC Junior was Junior? the first yeah. computer I actually okay. like played with. Yeah, three hundred baud modem, like you know. Wow. And, and someone in Poughkeepsie just recently put a Slack message asking for stuff related to a PC Junior and other old computers. And I put a response that said, just for the record, that is not old. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to watch that. Because, you know, I mean, I have some gray hair, but (laughs) I like to not consider myself old, right? Exactly. Um, I read that you, this this story is like one of those stories that's like a fable that you checked out of a book at at Vassar College on BASIC to learn how to program on it. Which I didn't know what basic was. I mean, it's a it's a programming language, but it stands for Be- beginners all purpose symbolic instruction code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just and I believe for... Microsoft's very first product was MS Basic. Yep, right That's cool. pa- on paper tape. Oh yeah, I had to. Uh, we had to learn, and and I'm dating myself here. When I, in high school, in my senior year of high school, we had an elective course <clears> which was computer programming, right? Which was a, a super ahead of its time, you know, at the time. Um, but we learned basic, we learned, you know, we had VB, we had power builder. It was those two that we did. Um, and then something else that I forget entirely, but that was decades ago. I'm surprised you didn't mention COBOL. Yeah. So I, I, you know, this was PC, so there, COBOL was not there. No, he's just infamous for just like inserting any legacy language. Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Resonant dinosaur on the podcast here. Um, uh oh, you're a your grandfather is part of the quarter century, a member of the quarter century club. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's 25 years. Um, nice. What else? Marist College. Yeah. So big. Marist is like four miles from IBM Poughkeepsie. There's like a huge presence mainframe of mecha. mainframers yeah. uh, in the industry at IBM. Um, Marist teaches classes. They have some Z. Yeah. You know, right there that students can play. Learn, I should say, not play. Um, play <laughs> on. Cool. So yeah, I was. I I actually, and that answers my question. I was going to say Marist is one of the very few colleges that offers Z mm. accredited Z education. Right. I mean, I'm not going to quote you on that, but like that's that's what I heard. Yeah. Anyway. So the way I would say it is, I think Marist is one of the leading schools, um, just because of the crossover with IBMers. You know, adjuncting at Marist. Um, it helps to have some IBMers on the board at Marist. Yeah, for sure, for and, sure, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, nice. I like I like his way of saying it way better. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to what? What I said. Oh, was, I'm not gonna quote you on it's, this, but was, uh, uh, blah blah blah. A little bit more eloquent. Yeah. Um. So we 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 found out that Matt was gonna be in town like a week ago, maybe maybe a little over a week ago. Um. And, and the reason why you're here is to support, uh, I don't know, I mean, I guess to support de- developer advocacy, right? Which is what you, which you are right now. So previously, um, I mean, you've done a lot of, a lot of things, but 
since this, but I, I know previously you were on the ZOS platform evaluation test team, but you've worked basically in every major phase of soft, of the software testing lifecycle since you've been here. Yeah, um, you know, we like to say that there's two kinds of people, makers and breakers, and uh, I just love breaking stuff. Okay. So at least software. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I spent my 16-year career testing software. Um, I was part of the ZOS development team, so the people that make the ZOS operating system. And um, just over the course of many years, bounced around to all the different, you know, test phases from the time that a developer actually writes the code all the way up to the latest phase of testing where we run basically full-blown production systems that are nothing but test. Yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. And I read, I read at one point, and this may have been like a in a share abstract or something, at one point you... You, you, whether it was you or others, were referring to you as a, uh, as a, as an advisory software engineer. Which is that? Is that? <clears throat> so that's that, like an official. That's like the official job classification, right? For what you are doing for, right now, for band level. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So but, it's it's one of these things where we we give ourselves titles, right? Yeah. And but that's like the official HR. Oh, okay. Okay. Software title. But people know you as a, as a developer advocate. Right. I'm right? I'm now a developer advocate. Okay. Yep. And so for like this thing that you're going to be doing tomorrow, and I know we briefly talked about it, but it's it's what's three three hours or so. So talk to us about that. I mean, this is this is going to be specific to Z and Linux One, right? Um. So I'm here to cover the Z Linux One yeah. portion of it, right? But um, it's really about developer advocacy. So okay. that's that's basically technology agnostic. It's all technologies. Um, and we actually will have some speakers that are based here in Raleigh that do developer advocacy for um, non-mainframe technology. Okay. So we are going to cover a bunch of different technologies. Um, this event is t to encourage people who have, you know, regular full-time jobs, um, but who might be interested in doing some acts of advocacy um, to encourage them, support them, show them, you know, how they can find events that other people are doing mm -hmm. and how they can sort of advertise themselves so we can find them. Okay. Um, now, my team looks at, you know, Z and Linux One, but there's other technologies out there. Right. For sure. Okay. So I found... Um I found a uh, I found an article that was written by um, oh man I hope I'm saying this correctly um, it's either Upkar or Upkar leader do you know that name so is this Omkar maybe yeah Omkar yeah maybe the name of, the name of the article is experiences as a new developer advocate and and maybe maybe you tell me if you agree with this or not but um, saying the job the job description detailed you know day to day job description um, follows kind of this for the most part. So help educate developers in a specific technology area. Uh, present at meetups and conferences. And that meetups is like meetup, like meetup.com meetup. Right? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, help run hackathons and mentor at events that IBM is involved in. Present, present developer concerns, developer feedback, and developer comments back to the product team in a timely fashion. Um, write educational blog posts and publish technical content. I'm shaking my head, but nobody can see yeah. you. You're, you're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, help present and write developer code patterns. And then lastly, participate in open source projects. Yeah, now that's like, absolutely. I mean, all you, while traveling like a crazy person. Right. So what's the, uh, this developer code patterns? What's, what's that part? So a code pattern is basically 
Um, think of it as like a self-paced demo almost. Okay. What we do is we'll write some code. We put it on the public IBM um, Git repo. Okay. And then part of the readme is like step-by-step step what to do to use that code. Okay. Um, and then what accompanies that is like a, a blog article basically okay. pointing people to it. So it's a way that people can, uh, like the general public, anybody, can go to the site, look at you know whatever new technology they're interested in, and actually get some code to play with and okay. learn from from using it, okay. right? Because you have the the codes there; it's under the Apache license, so mm-hmm. it's open source, and they can download the code, look at it, change it, you know, hack it, whatever, yeah. um, and it, do it on their own. Oh, cool! So, what are um, what are some examples of like code patterns? that someone who's involved in Z or Linux one can, I mean, do you have any off the top of your head that are yeah, popular? Um, so there are um, a number of code patterns there for, for Linux one and for Z. Um, for for Linux one, it's a little easier because we have the Linux one community cloud that anybody can provision a VM on. Um, and they cover a bunch of different things. Um, one that comes to mind is is with uh, like Watson machine learning, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you can do something with, with that. A lot of them um, kind of cross the the boundaries um, between a public cloud something and then the the Linux one guest on the back end. Okay. I uh, <laughs> I don't know why you just said, you said machine learning and I I just read something this morning. It was I think it was on Reddit. It said something like. On the outside, it's AI, but on the inside, it's if else. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this magic box, but really, it's just a whole bunch of like nested, yeah, nested conditional much. statements. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and that's crazy because <laughs> that's crazy because uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of what we talk about. It's good that we're doing this podcast because a lot of what we talk about seems very complicated on the outside. But you just gotta you just gotta explain it right. You know, like yeah. that's like like developer advocacy. Um, it sounds like it just people don't know what it is. People, like we were just talking right. about that on the way back from lunch. There, people, people don't understand what it entails. Don't, and a lot of times, you know, I hate to boil it down this way, but uh, don't really see what's in it for them. Which yeah, is, yeah, it's true. It's sad. true. I mean, basically, developer advocacy at its core is like developers helping developers, right? So the the first point is, it's a one techie to another techie. You know, it's we're not sales, we're not, you know, managers, or executive speak or anything. We we stri- we try to stay too true to technology. We talk technology and not products. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we're doing is with open software and open source stuff. And yeah, you could also use you know various products, mm-hmm. but um, you know, generally we try to pick an open choice to demonstrate the technology. And I think. In, in some ways, we've been doing this forever. It's just we now have, like, a formal title for it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you, do you, have, a, <clears throat> do you, have, do you have a specific um, um, maybe like outcomes that you want to achieve tomorrow? I mean, is there anything? So the you... event tomorrow is all about um, it, it's basically an advertising campaign to let people know that this federated program exists. Yeah. So the, the outcome is the interaction basically getting people to sign up for the program okay and then 
uh, there'll be follow-on work where we can actually get people engaged in doing acts of adv- advocacy. Ooh, that was a tough <laughs> word to say. <laughs> In, in like things that are already ongoing, like they can help with um, yeah. projects that are that are and these are all internal, right? These are these are no. So these activities are external for the most part. Okay, and I think that's one of the key. Like, you know, what's in it for me? Um, it's a great way to build external eminence, mm-hmm. right? And with the meetup format, it's a very casual way of doing it. Right, it's almost a no penalty zone. Um, but you know, it's not quite true because you do have to do it the right way, but, um, it's just a great way for people to get started. Okay. And then like, say for instance, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm involved in Z here at RTP with the software side of things. Are there, are there any things that you can think of that we should be moving in a certain direction or like, are there, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, you, you look at, um, like what's being done with the open mainframe project and Zoe project Zoe. Um, you know, those are, I guess that's, that's open source stuff like that. Is that an example of maybe, is that an example of like the product of what, like maybe a developer advocate might do or might have. Yeah, actually that's accepted maybe, you know, that's a great example. Um, so built on top of Zoe is the visual code plugins, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be able to edit, yeah, uh, Z base files, data sets, whatever. Um, so that's a perfect example of something that we talk about, demonstrate, whatever. Oh, so like, and for the people that aren't that that don't know v- Visual Code or VS Code, Visual Studio, which is the Microsoft web-based IDE. Was it web-based? It's, I guess no, it's not web-based. It's Eclipse. It's, a, it's 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 an ID that's on your desktop. Correct. I'm confusing yeah. it with Thea, which is the I, which is the web based. But I've already lost my train of thought. Oh, so the like the VS Code extensions that you mentioned. So um, is that like that's a perfect example of maybe like a developer advocate said like you know what we have this Zoe. Uh, I'm trying to get from point A to point B. VS Code is the the vehicle to get there. Like this is how I'm going to do it. And then they what did they basically create it from start to finish or do they get it to like a kind of like a tech preview stage where it's like here's the thing that we're thinking about doing and what do you think and so we've done a couple things with it um you could potentially write a tutorial or a code pattern Mm -hmm. you know using it and have screenshots and you know show people how to use it um you could have a workshop based on it so uh, for for shops that don't use an IDE now yeah. or maybe they looked at it one 10 years ago and right. they haven't since you know um, we might do something like that where you have a proof of technology or, or just a demo or hands-on lab where people can come and play with it okay um, it, it just really depends on yeah on the client what's going on so the it, it almost sounds like the developer advocates are Kind of like your feeder system for all these like great ideas. The the goal is to try and amass as many people as you can in this program, and the hope is that of all the ideas that are generated, you know, we'll have more and more things that we can we can choose from. Basically, is that yeah? So I think our goal, I think there's two main goals. Mm-hmm. One is to support existing clients, yeah. right? Developer existing developers on the platform, right. um, channeling their feedback for product design, mm-hmm. answering questions. You know, sometimes. Um, it's hard to know who to ask a question, a very simple technical question, yeah. right? Um, so, so that's one. The other one is educating people 
that don't know about Z or about a particular technology on Z hmm. about that technology. So maybe I'm going to an existing um, mainframe shop yeah. and I'm talking to their distributed developers, right? Mm -hmm. Their web programmers and, and whatever. So they can understand what the mainframe is because um, somebody, I forget who it was, they, they said, um, they called it mainframe fake news. <laughs> like, like you know, there's misconceptions about yeah. about mainframe and how it works, and there certainly and stuff. are. Huh? So we huh. try to try to help educate people. That's with uh, is that uh, is that with the maybe like more seasoned um, practitioners in the mainframe space that are they, or is it more like the newer generations that are coming in and that maybe they have misconceptions of Z? So what we found is that. If you start right at the beginning, so students coming out of college or in college or in high school, mm -hmm. they don't know anything about mainframe technology. Yep. And that's exactly it. They're neutral. They just, they don't have They've any understanding. They're exposed to it. Right. Okay, okay. So they don't have a, a, a negative, you know, thought. They don't know. Mm. It's just sheer, I don't want to say ignorance, but just lack of knowledge, lack right. of understanding. Right, exactly. And so- you know, we try to educate people like that. I think at some point, you know, as people start working and and learning on their own, learning from colleagues, it just depends who they come across. Right. Right. And one of the things that um, is hard with mainframe, especially with Z, is people are so risk averse. They rely on an experience that they had 20 years ago mm. to determine what their decisions are today, yeah. even though so many things have changed in 20 <laughs> years, right? And, and they'll say, oh, we tried that once and it didn't work. Well, when was that? Oh, about 15 years ago. Well, well okay. You know, well, the, it's probably been rewritten since yeah. that, you know, why. completely overhauled or whatever. So um, so sometimes it's, it's just about, you know, showing the, mod, the, the newer yeah. um, versions of things. So I'm... <clears throat> You know, I'm in a mainframe shop, and there are a lot of things that I don't know that could benefit me. It, it it's a bit of it's a bit of a paradox. It seems like because you, those are the exact people that you're trying to interact with, so they're they're not going to take it upon themselves, nor do they have any reason to to like reach out to somebody like you. So, somebody in your position, are you assigned like, are you assigned different enterprises, or like how do you how do you so it depends yeah um i am, am in a cool position right now in yeah. that you know i am able to work with any client in north america um but that's not the case in all situations um for the for the non-mainframe technologies um they are generally they have an assigned technology mm -hmm. or two or three mm -hmm. Um, hopefully they were involved in that decision. When I say assigned, it's in finger quotes. Right. And then, you know, um, for developer advocates who focus on existing clients, mm -hmm. they generally have a few accounts, a few clients right. where they're the lead advocate. Okay. But they're, I mean, they're not clients in like, you know, you have like a, in sales, you have like an account executive they're not like that. It's like these are people that you are obligated to that you're working collaborating with. Yeah, so with it's and, really like you know. you're assigned to work with that um, that company yeah. and the developers at that company. Yeah. And we work 
with our brethren and the, the sales teams. Yeah. Um, so everybody knows what, what we're doing. And so we understand the dynamics at the client because every client's different. Sure. Even when you're talking same technologies, it's, yeah. it's all very different. And that's because different cultures, different tooling, different full stack, different all of the, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's just, there are a, a billion and a half ways to skin a cat when it comes to how you can get your job done on the mainframe. So, interesting. And, but, you know, today's corporations are generally an accumulation of multiple acquisitions. Mm. So they they yeah. have to take all these different systems and glob them together somehow. Yeah. And it it is uh, probably the most sophisticated, crazy, complicated technology that exists. That is a, uh, while you're talking, you're talking about crazy, complicated, and I'm thinking like global, um, and that that lead me to ask the question of developer advocacy outside of North America. I know that. <clears throat> I'm guilty of it. A lot of people are guilty of it. We have this very like, you know, North American, you know, ethnocentric view of like everything happens here, yeah. but like outside of, you know, IBM RTP and Endicott and Poughkeepsie, outside of North America, what's the developer advocacy? What's the what's the presence like there like in South America and Europe and Asia, Africa, you know? So, Pacific? you know, the I and IBM, right? Yeah. International. And we have team fielded everywhere. Um for specifically for Z, we do have uh, some people around the world, okay. um, different locations, cool. Um, Europe, South America, or sorry, South Africa, um, and, and other places. Um, and in terms of the the cloud technologies, mm-hmm. um, I think it was ten different uh, cities that we have teams in. Okay. Um, if you look at like the the state of developer relations report. IBM is is listed as like the number one company for number of at developer advocates. Oh, cool. That's nice. Um, which probably isn't much of a surprise since how you know how large of a company it is and how right. we're focused on business. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of neat. I don't know if it's surprising, but it's definitely point of point of pride. I think. I think it's a point of pride. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I love um, it. So. Like this this event that you're going to be in uh, that that you're that you're putting on tomorrow, um, like the demographics are. I mean, they can be developers that are new, relatively new to IBM. To like, I mean, the spectrum is like it's yeah it's wide open, right? Yeah, definitely. So, if I'm like if I'm if I if I'm interested in this developer advocacy program, um, like if I'm a newer developer. What does that role look like compared to, you know, somebody who maybe has, you know, 10, 15 years experience or something? Well, I think it depends on the, um, the technologies, right? Yeah. So for, for technologies that are newer, yeah, right, it, it's sort of a level playing field because mm-hmm. if a technology just came into existence two years ago, nobody yeah. at all knew it before two years ago, right? Okay. So a college kid learned it in school, yeah. he knows it, he or she knows it really well and, um, you know, can present on it. Okay. Um, one of the hardest things for me working in Z and mainframe technology is that I routinely work with people that have twice as much experience as I do. So you, you too, then yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So it's me, me three. The, <laughs> the benefit is that makes you much better at what you do because you're learning from some really experienced people. Yeah. Um, the downside is 
you tend to minimalize what you think you know because you're comparing it against people that have so much more knowledge. Uh, um, imposter so every, syndrome. Imposter yeah. syndrome. There you go. So I think everybody has something that you know they can teach others on. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's have our our group hug, warm fuzzy moment here. You know, but <laughs> where are the other areas outside of that, like the evaluation testing within Z, that you you feel like you want to learn more, or that you could learn more. Oh my God! There's always so much more to learn, right? And that's yeah. one of the hardest. But in your travels, you know, like like as you've been doing developer advocacy, what you know, where where do you see like maybe for you, but maybe just in general, like oh, this is a this is a this is there's a gap here. This would be interesting to maybe pursue or expand on this area. Um, so when I was uh, my last row with the pet team, mm-hmm. I I was there for six years, and that's in Endicott, right? No, that, it's in Poughkeepsie. Oh, okay, yep. And um, I got to the position that I, like the job role that I wanted to get to when I started with that team. Okay. And it was the weirdest thing in my life because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I couldn't think of anywhere else, you know, that, like that I wanted to go to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I had been around for 16 years. I thought I really knew that the space that we're in and what kind of jobs there are. Uh-huh. And, and then I got the... Um, kind of the announcement of this role as a developer advocate. And I thought, what the hell is a developer advocate? Yeah. And that is what sold me. Okay. Um, the not, know, not, not like knowing. Not knowing. Oh, okay. Right? All right. Like, what is this? Yeah. I, and, you know, we were talking, Chris, uh, before, you know, working with technology that's over 50 years old, it's not often that you get to do something that, you know, be on the ground floor or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the benefit of technology is there's always new stuff coming. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see uh, what's what's available in a couple of years. Uh, yeah. When so I, when I'm ready to do something new, and generally, you know, I think um, opportunities find us. Yeah. Um, and you know, yes, we need to look for them, but I think good things come to those who try to make them happen. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Well, that'll be sad. The developer advocacy, I think, will will be be sorry to see you go, but. Um, so when you, when you started with this, it, it was just like a requisition that came through, like, you know, you saw yeah, it like was a posting a ju- or something. It right? was a job posting. Exactly. But now the way it happens is it's very, it's much more proactive. So like we are internally looking for people to help support this mission. Yeah, and, exactly. Right? And, and again, it's like, um, you know, as a side job kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Bottom line is there's people that are doing this now. Unofficial. And we're just trying to kind of formalize it a little okay. bit so that one, they get credit for doing it. Yeah. We know what they're doing and that they're doing it yeah. because, um, you know, one person could be doing great work here in Raleigh, yeah. but maybe there's someone in Brazil that could benefit from those same presentations right. or, you know, same experiences, right? Okay. So by, by kind of trying to understand who's doing what, yeah. when, where, um, we, can, we can make it better overall. Okay. And then you're, you're reminding me of like, we have that, <clears throat> we have that statistic that we love in Z for relates to the financial, the banking industry where it's, this is the 23 of the top 25 banks or it changes or, every right? year. It's, something, or so. it's like every couple of years. It's, the I mean, it's definitely change. the majority, but like, that's a perfect example If you have, if you have maybe like, let's say, for instance, you have somebody who is doing the work that a developer advocate would do that's unof- unofficially, you know, kind of under the radar. Um, 
if they were a developer advocate, then everything would be formalized and then they would use that Git repository that you're talking about, right? To bring yeah, exactly. Them, right? And so other people could go in and they could see, because like, you know, provided there's no proprietary or confidential information or anything relevant right. to that it's specific enterprise, source, yeah. you know, um, let's say just say Bank of Z could go in and they could look at the work that 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 was done from a developer, you know, advocate here, and then um, bank yeah. of and they can but, see how the technology is used. Okay. And they can modify it to fit what they're trying to do, or okay, or they could you know see the the article and then contact that person, right? okay, knowing putting a face to the article or okay. whatever. Hmm. Now, does that does that does that frequently happen? I mean, do we have a lot of these enterprises that are like on the Git repo that are contacting people, or I mean. And clearly there has to be some sort of like <laughs> marketing effort for this stuff, right? To like position yeah, so, it in front of people so that they know it ex even exists, right? Yeah, it's it's a, a pretty pretty big, broad, like corporate level, um, you know, position that, that we're in with uh, working with clients. Okay. Yeah. But there's there's certainly awareness that IBM has these this thing called developer advocates. I think right? there is awareness. Um Especially for the the cloud technologies, mm -hmm. it's uh, almost like a appreciated, you know, expected yeah. kind of thing, um, because techies geek out on it. They work <laughs> together. They get yeah. to know each other. They they go to comp. You know, they're at the same conferences yeah. or whatever. Uh -huh. um, for for mainframe technologies, I think it's a little bit of a newer concept. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always thought that our mainframe support structures if you will um have been more focused on system programmer hmm. kinds of people like operators running the systems configuring yeah, installing mm -hmm. and less focused on developers yeah um that's gradually grown and changed over you know my career mm -hmm. um and and now I think it's just sort of an inflection point where we're accelerating it even more oh so you are seeing a lot of traction and and okay yeah and I think it's also similar with the with the whole design thinking model, okay. right? So, you know, back in the day, we used to design products we thought our cl clients wanted, yep. convince them they needed it, and sell it to them. Yeah, and that's how everybody did business. But it's true. Design thinking has changed that all around. It's completely where, backwards now, right? Yeah, you want them to come in with their requirements, yep. work together to deliver them, proof it before it's done. So yep. you're not delivering something that doesn't meet their expectations, right? And then, of course, user experience and all this kind of stuff. Sure, so, yeah. Um, I, I think it's developer advocacy is similar in that way where we're trying to work uh, more closely with the developers on the platform okay. and break some of the um, the mentality of, well, it didn't work 10 years ago or 15 years ago, won't ever work again. Yeah. Um, and just showcase you know the newer you know more flexible more modern technologies yeah and it's more also what i'm hearing and I, I don't know how you feel about this but you know you're right like 20 25 years ago 30 years ago which i can't believe now is like the 90s pretty much <sighs> do we want to talk about that but depressing i know but um God, it's like I remember. I remember cracking into my spin, my brand new Spin Doctor CD when it came out, and I feel like that was yesterday. It's like thirty years ago. You had like a whole decade of music to choose from, and you 
the first thing the first thing you went to was spin doctors. Listen, man, the spin doctors are killing. <laughs> oh, so so anyway, getting back on topic. So what I'm hearing, as opposed to you know, 20, 30 years ago, where it was there was a product and either it worked or it didn't. The and we're bringing this to Z. It's becoming more experience centric, right? Like instead of instead of selling you some products. We're trying to enable a better experience. Is that Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at DevOps, right, what we're supposed to be talking about, there's this whole concept of bring your own tools, right? It's it's plug and play, whether you want to, you know, pick your SCM and use the one that you need to use. And um, that's a good example of it. We, mm-hmm. we want to be flexible. We want to enable our clients to use what they need to use, what they're comfortable using, what works for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to DevOps, you can't buy developer experience. It's something that you put together, right? Yeah, very uh, true. Well said, Chris. So two questions. One's a shorter one that you actually touched on on a previous podcast that I, I just wanted to talk about here because I thought it was kind of a cool term. <laughs> and then the second one, a little bit longer. All right, so uh, <clears throat> you mentioned something about um, maybe mainframe, whether it's Z or Linux. Uh, being the bad boy, <laughs> the bad boy. Yeah. Could so, you just uh, could you just give us the the, sh- the um, spiel again? Because I just I thought it was kind of cool. well. I I can't pretend I'm going to remember what I said before. Well, you but, could just what is what does that what does that mean? How yeah. About that? So like, you said something about one bad of boy. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that comes from one of our academic partners is that mainframers are the Navy SEALs of the IT industry. Oh, and I enjoy that okay. thoroughly. And Interesting. the idea is, it gets back to what I was saying about the most crazy complicated technology. <laughs> um, these environments are really complex. Yep. And they have to operate at a scale that technology, like general purpose technology can't do. So, that's really what I say. Okay. Like, you know, the, the mainframe is the bad boy. It's an encryption monster. Right. You know, whatever, right? We design these things with Ferrari engines or whatever right. you want to say um, rather than, you know, the lawnmower engine. Yeah. Yep. Totally different, totally different application. Though. Not to say there's anything bad with, you know, your lawnmower engines. Um, I like that Navy SEAL. That's, that's, that's good. Oh, man, you said something about the complex and... I know that the, in the other podcast you were talking about the the uh, zero downtime, basically. Um, yeah, it's it's like you know changing the tires on your car as you're driving down the road. Yeah, and being able to do that. Right? I'm I'm fascinated by the hardware team, how they design everything that you can do that. I'm yeah. a software right. guy, so to me they're really smart. Um, it's like the uh, the mainframe is like the Klingon of computers. It is because they have like multiple organs of. <laughs> Okay. I thought you were going somewhere different, but that's fine. No, <laughs> did you know that? I mean, I'm, yeah, a bit, no, I I'm, do, a big, yeah. I'm like a closet Trekkie, and Klingons have like two or two duplicate organs. They so. do for for battle, um, right? In case they lose one, is that the idea? Yeah, I would assume it's for battle um, <laughs> or organ harvesting. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> it's funny because um, externally, um, and I didn't know what an, I didn't really know what a mainframe was before I started here. I started here in May, and you know I've learned so much since then. Um, but it's, it's funny externally, like, you know, in passing, <clears throat> I'll tell people, you know, like I work in mainframes and they're like, oh, what is that? And I don't, I don't know if this is, this is, I don't know if this is bad or good. It's definitely an oversimplification, but I say, oh, it's just like, it's, it's a server. It's a, it's, it's a server. Yeah. It's, I that's say what it's just a server. And it's like, if it, like, I, you know, I'll say that to people that maybe aren't in like the, the IT industry, you know, and then, and it's like, it's, it's. It's it's a sufficient explanation, I think, but it really is doing it a disservice for people who 
understand the differences between you know like what you know re- like a web server would be versus like a yeah. you know, mainframe i mean it's a huge difference right. not just a server i mean yes it does serve up information but right. <laughs> in essence that's yeah in essence is, but, yeah yeah, um, yeah so, uh, that's so when i talked with um for example students who aren't familiar with mainframe i always start with it's a big server yeah and um depending on like what the areas of study are right Sometimes we'll say, well, how much memory is on your phone? And, you know, they'll say 32 gigabytes or whatever. And then we talk about having terabytes of, you know, memory, right? And petabytes of hard disk space. One of the weirdest things with my job, by the way, is I talk about booting a computer instead of IPLing a mainframe. Like, I have to use approachable terms because people don't know the lingo, right? Oh, right. Um, that is strange, yeah. I, IPL for those that don't know, initial program load, which is this, yeah. in essence analogous to like starting up the, the system, yeah, right. restarting yeah. your, yeah. yeah, yeah. Except it's incredibly more complicated, but still, it's not if you have a clean IPL. All right, the last thing is, um, and unfortunately, this, I mean, this isn't going to air for, I don't know, this is, we're we're uh, we're 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 ahead on on episodes here, but for future uh, developer, what do you what do you call this tomorrow? developer day yeah it's a developer okay. day yeah so for for future developer days um how do i uh, like i'm internal like how do i find it find out about this you know, like so we always work with uh local teams okay um and we'll get them out in the local you know site news or slack channels or uh we work with word of mouth sometimes it's the mm-hmm. best yeah. uh, in low tech but but best <laughs> smoke signals um, so it's it's about you know sort of keeping your ear to the the floor and knowing what's coming up you know okay and, um, so for but for our but for our developers that are internal i'm, I'm we'll we'll find links and we'll put them in the blog blog article when we post now external if i'm a if i'm a client now i don't want to make this assumption but there are current clients that maybe are not working with developer advocates is that yes accurate? there definitely are okay um there's a couple different things we do we have uh meetups Okay. So these are like unofficial, you know, um, laid back technical talks that mm-hmm. are usually done after, excuse me, after work. Okay. Um, and those are usually publicized in like meetup.com okay. or okay. Eventbrite. Um, oh, really nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an option. Right. What, what other things for, look for, for IBM clients, um, typically the sales teams, right? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 Sales teams are their first point of contact for yeah. IBM, yeah. and um, they will, they should know how to reach into IBM okay. and, and pull the appropriate people. Um, one thing I think we're really good at at IBM, and we always have been, is finding the right person in this humongous corporation, yeah. wherever they are in whatever corner of the world. Yeah. So, um, you know, generally, we, we will find the right person to... Yeah. to help support them. We have like a subset of the population. I mean, eventually you ask enough people, you're going to find the person that, you, that you're looking for. And again, that's the amazing <laughs> thing about IBM is that out of the, I'm guessing hundreds of thousands of employees we must have. If yeah, it's not, like we're it, like 330,000 or something now. Yeah, 330,000 employees. You're going to find the right person and it's not that hard. You're only a few degrees of separation from interfacing with that person. And it's... And Kevin Bacon. And and Kevin Bacon. No, but that's only six degrees, yeah. though. Right. He, he works like, for IBM. 
we do we have a Kevin Bacon that works here? Wouldn't surprise me. No, the actual Kevin Bacon. He's a de- he's a developer advocate. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, so the ins- I I think the incentive for for our clients to maybe reach out would be they might have some maybe they're working maybe they're operating such a lean operation that they have some things that they have envisioned that maybe they they don't have the ability to or maybe they don't have the resources to to do some things that they want to do i mean like yeah so uh, it's really about helping them sort through the different technologies yeah. and what it would be most appropriate for them okay um, what's what's happening more and more is that developers ask for a specific technology. Mm. We need this. And that's why we have such a focus on working with those developers mm-hmm. so they understand different technologies and what's available to them so they can make an informed decision, mm. right? Because okay. the developers are becoming like, um, you know, decision makers for their their executive teams. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So, the, then the developers are always the end user. It's not the it's not the customer. It's not the cli- well. It's the customer. It's the client. But at the end of the day, at least for the type of things that we're doing, right in this room, it's about the end user, which is the developer. It's about enabling them right. to do what they need to do. And for that's, their clients, right? There yeah. you go. Yep. There is. So if I'm the developer, I'm like, I want eggs. I want I want to cook an egg. Yep, and I want to cook an egg, and I want to. I, I need a pot, and I need water. And I need to boil this water because I want to cook an egg. You, the developer, ever you come in, you say to me, who is the person higher up, who's saying, "Well, you want exactly c- how much water? What well, no, kind of pot? Does even, this pot actually work for us? Not even that. More so, how does okay. that work with all our other stuff? Uh, going with all of our on, other pots, right? Like yeah. these okay. other teams are doing over there, right? Yeah. Or, or even, or even to look at it another way. You want to cook an egg. Okay, what you want to do is you want to cook an egg. You don't necessarily need to boil the egg. I mean, you could fry the egg. You could poach the egg. You could... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right? They're saying, I want to consume said egg. But they found they saw this technology where you can you can boil an egg and you can eat an egg and you can you can eat a hard-boiled egg. And and what you say is like, no, you you just want to... You want a cooked egg that you can eat. Yeah. There maybe you like want to scramble, like a nice soft can, scramble. You exactly. know, we can, we can hook a that French up. French omelet for the... Actually... More appropriate for the people that are probably upstate New York. It's closer to Quebec. So, is there a um, like? Is there a place that I can contact somebody that I can contact if I'm internal that I want to get involved in this? So, all of the um, internal information mm-hmm. is on uh, W3. Okay. Okay. W, W3.developer.ibm.com. Okay. Okay. Um, the external site is developer.ibm.com. Perfect. Okay. It's really easy to remember those. Perfect. Um, of course, there's a lot of information on the internal sites about how yep. to get started, what to do, and pu- okay. you know publication guidelines and all that kind of stuff. How to bring okay. it to your clients and stuff. Um, yep. Okay. And the the developer, like the formal developer advocates, are um, listed in that site, so you can find people. Okay. Cool. Okay. So we'll we'll make sure to put some links for that for internal and then external as well. So like like for our clients, if they want to begin to work with these developer advocates. We can provide them with some resources to do that because it's it, it does it seems like it's mutually beneficial for IBM and for the the, the clients. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, there's no no reason to do it if we're not helping everybody, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, that's why I love Big Blue. Gotta love Big Blue, man. <laughs> I'm all out of questions. Yeah, we're, no, al- I- we're almost out of time. So yeah, and I'm I'm good as well, uh, Matt. 
Yeah, thanks for making the trip down. Thanks for flying. You're in. welcome. We say that jokingly, but like you literally flew in. Yeah. Thanks so, for <laughs> accommodating my schedule. It worked of out course, good. Of course, man. And no bringing worries. me to lunch. You know? Yeah. I even yeah. got to eat before yeah. we got to talk. Uh, that's what we do here on Z DevOps Talks with Chris and Chris. <laughs> he loves that. It's the only reason he shows up <laughs> so he can do that. It's weird. Um, it's really all right, weird. we'll we'll close it out here. Thanks again, Matt, for for uh, stopping by, and good luck tomorrow. And thank you guys. We'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, take care. 